The Holy Gospel according to Mark, chapter 15. Glory to you, O Lord. The evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he'd been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph bought a linen cloth, and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where the body was laid. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Feels a little bit like the entire world is in a long Good Friday. With things shut down, with people suffering, with people dying, with people struggling with so many people caught in fear and with nobody knowing how this is going to turn out. And because of that, these stories of darkness and fear and disappointment, all of these stories resonate so much more loudly than any preacher can possibly make them echo. All we can do is just pay attention. One of the things that I love about Mark's gospel is the way that it is told just like a really good Hollywood movie. And if you're a big fan of Scorsese or Tarantino or any of those big directors, you know, you need to pay attention to all of the little details because those little details are going to tell you something about the story. My favorite detail of this story is one that we hear about a young man who had come to follow Jesus and they laid hold of him to arrest him and he was running away like everybody else and they had grabbed his clothes but he wanted to get away so badly that he shed his clothes and he ran away naked. We don't know who that man is and we are left uh, with no clue uh, about who he might be. There's a lot of theories that the naked young man was the gospel writer Mark himself, that it was possibly another disciple. It could have been somebody uh, very important in the early Jerusalem Christian community, and some commentators think it might even have been an angel. But I think that young man is there to put all of us and the disciples in the story to show who we are in this terrible night when Jesus was crucified. Now imagine what the disciples had been through. They did not sign up for this. This was not the way it was supposed to turn out. After all these healings, all these miracles, from the catch of fish to him raising a dead young woman, him rising up with Moses and Elijah on the mountain. None of this was how it was supposed to turn out. The disciples had signed up 
for glory. But in the end, only got shame. They were stripped naked. There is a quote from the prophet Amos that talks about in the great and terrible day of the Lord, even the stout-hearted will flee away naked. No matter how strong, no matter how faithful, no matter how powerful, no matter how, much, how loud we say our hallelujahs, on this night we are reduced to being the ones who run away naked. This happens so much in our lives where we find ourselves in one way or another facing and confronting our own nakedness at the majesty of God or even at our own suffering. We are all, as the TV show has it, naked and afraid from time to time taken from our familiar surroundings, taken from the comforts of our lives, and placed in a new environment with nothing to hang on to. I think that we are here often in our lives where our spiritual resolutions don't quite seem to hold up. If, if uh, Lent went badly for you or if Lent was forgotten in all this chaos, I completely understand. We are naked all those times where we do things that we regret. We do things that we wish we would stop doing or wish that, that, that someone would just help us and keep us from doing. Or we are naked in those times where people have done terrible things to us that we just can't forget. And they haunt us in our broken relationships and in our regrets. We are naked every time when we are confronted with our sins. We are stripped naked by the sins of others and the abuses of others so often in our lives. We are, we are at times so naked in our wounds as anybody who has been through any kind of treatment for a terminal disease will, will tell you as they're put into a hospital gown and they are poked and prodded and they are so full of fear. We are naked at times in our doubts. I had a patient ask me today why I could still believe in God in the midst of all the suffering that is going on in the world and in this world today. So many of us are stripped naked. The things that we relied on are not there. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a family member. The comforts and the assurance and the strength of the world around us and in that sense that we would always be able to get what we needed to survive. Maybe we're also a little bit naked today, just with our grief and sadness for the magnitude of suffering and loss and death that is happening in the world. Yes, absolutely. I think when that young man is put for only two verses, into this story the gospel writer was doing is giving us a place in the story as people with everything stripped away from us who are running afraid and running naked. But it is for those of us who are naked that this story is written because in this story we see the terrible spectacle of God getting naked God sheds that majesty 
that distance, that, well, they call it transcendence or whatever it is, that mystery of, of God who's supposed to float so far above us, that was already shed when Jesus was born. And now it is shed even more completely. In each step of the story, Jesus is stripped naked. He is stripped naked before his own followers and his betrayer. He is stripped naked before incompetent bureaucrats that just are passing the buck and just want to see him suffer because he threatened their own power. He is stripped naked before the throngs of, of people that some maybe had hoped he would be the Messiah, others maybe just thought it was a fun show to watch. He is stripped naked in front of soldiers that oppress him and humiliate him and mock him and deny every single one of his claims. He is naked before those other thieves on the cross. He is naked before those crowds. He is naked even before his mother. God is stripped naked today, stripped of any kind of power that he could claim. The reason that God got naked was so that he could chase us who are naked, so that we would be not afraid. What Jesus did was throw away everything that he had including his very life, so he could place a claim on this world, on this community, on you and on me, so that he could place a claim and be with us and tie himself down to our reality, literally to plant a stake, a cross-shaped stake in our reality. So all of these powers that claim so much dominion over us. He takes those powers away from us and he places himself under their full and terrible dominion. And so what this means is that all of the sadness, all of the fear, all of the frustration, all of just the confusion, everything that we've been carrying around for these past couple weeks, these things that have weighed on our hearts and even our bodies as we constantly take our temperature or wonder if this cough is from allergies or something worse, all of that which kicks around in our minds and in our hearts and makes us sick to our stomach, all of that doesn't belong to us anymore place where all that fear and all that pain and all that anguish belongs is right there. That's what you're looking at. You're looking at all of that being taken from you. You're looking at God getting naked so that God could put the worst parts of you, the worst things that you've done, the worst things that you fear. God got naked so he could wear all of that. That is what this night means. God got naked so that he could chase us and so that when we are afraid, we are not alone. Amen.